Hello and welcome once again to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. This episode is titled Shad Fishing in Eastern North Carolina. I'm going to be talking with Captain Josh Abrams of Carolina Backcountry Guide Service. And we're going to be covering such areas as the standard when, where, tackle, and methods. And this discussion is going to cover both being on anchor and static trolling, as in lines out the back, as well as casting under anchors. So we're going to cover both both formulas, both methodologies. I'm Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community since 2003, bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and now this saltwater podcast series. And it is in this saltwater podcast series where we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast and ask them to share with us their insights, their knowledge on how to catch more fish more often. However, I think we like to say that the true goal isn't just more fish more often, but we also just like to give you the confidence to get you and your family and friends out on the water, spending more time together more often. And I am joined in this episode, just as I am in every episode, with my co-host, Billy Thorpe of Copilot Studio. Hello, Billy. What is going on, Gary? How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You're looking good, doing good. Yeah, you know, the this is a new year. This is our first episode shooting in the new year. We did a, we've did we already released a couple, but we did that before the holidays yeah. so that we could have a break. I think we deserved a break. Yeah, we did good, man. Last year was fun. Ended with a bang. And now it feels good to be back in the studio. It's awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming to the studio. I love it. I love the studio. Anyway, <laughs> I'm stopping nerd now for a minute. I uh, just want to remind you really quickly, since we haven't, since uh, a while, of how to watch, how to listen. Obviously, if you're watching here on YouTube, thank you so much. Please hit that subscribe button uh, and the little bell so you get a notification every time a new episode comes out. If you're listening, be sure to subscribe. Uh, and then so many ways to, to do that, to subscribe. We have Spotify, Podbean, uh, it's Google or Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're on there. And if we're not on one of the platforms that you uh, listen or watch, be sure to let us know and we will make it happen. So, yeah, Gary, and excited to bring Marine Warehouse Center back on. I'll get it out in a minute. A little tongue-tied. So excited about their sponsorship coming on with us for 2021. So we appreciate those guys. Yeah, man, it's a good relationship. It's a good fit. Yeah, man, they're awesome. So I'm going to play a little video from them, and we'll be right back. As you know, it's been a great year for boat sales. However, it's been really tough for customers to find boats in stock. We're the headquarters in Wilmington, North Carolina for Pair Customs, Sailfish, Sea Chaser, and Carolina Skiff. Our manufacturers are telling us the high demand for boats is going to affect 2021 inventory as well. So if you're looking to get a boat in the spring, you need to come sign up with us now. Gary, you better get over there and sign up for a boat. Yeah, you, that's legit advice. I like, already signed up for my free boat. It's happening. <laughs> is it in the works? <laughs> it's not going to happen. I'm get, I better retire that joke and get a new one for this new year. Speaking of jokes. I'm ready. Actually, I don't have a joke. Terrell no. didn't tell me any jokes. I didn't tell I you guess anything. The, the new year, he's just he's moved away from jokes. But you know All what right. is going over there? Emmett. Emmett is big <laughs> on New Year's resolutions. <laughs> me too. Are I you? love them. 
And he shared some of them with me. You want to hear one? Please. One of Emmett's New Year's resolutions, and this is a pretty standard one, he wants to exercise more in 2021. Ex- okay. He's a smart guy because he figures if he just goes and exercises once in 2021, he is exercising more than he did in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, Emmett. Me too. So you should make that New Year's resolution. <laughs> and then next year, you can say, I want to yeah. exercise more, and then you just got to go twice. You're set. You're set for like That's the next 30, 30 years. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Working out once, man. I love it. I totally wish that was a thing. Fish photo. Oh, here we go. Oh, my gosh. It's speaking of working out, look at that old chunky chin on that fish. I'm not talking about myself, you rudes. This is Billy Thorpe, a.k.a. the other guy with a shad that I caught uh, on a shad rig. Imagine that, a shad on a shad rig. How about that? And uh, Not on a fly. That's a funny story, Gary. In the Noose River, upriver from New Bern. That was a good trip, man. That was a lot of fun. And... Uh, and yeah, I didn't catch one on a fly, unfortunately. I could put a photo up there of a shad I caught on the fly, but I couldn't put a, sh- a photo up there of a shad you caught on and the I fly. And I might be able to put a video of some like really interesting fly fishing tactics that you use to catch that. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> um, hey, look, it is a new year, but we are still very much looking for Billy's best takeaway. And I'm going to have one. I love shad fishing. As you can see in the picture, Gary, I'm good at it. Yeah, this is, Crushed I mean, I it. almost asked you if I could interview you about shad fishing, but I decided you know. Josh might be might be slightly better resource. Maybe. But remember, we'll Billy's see. best takeaway at the end of the podcast. I'm ready. And now this is the time that I introduce our guest. Our guest in this episode is Captain Josh Abrams of Carolina Backcountry Guide Service. Welcome to the show, Josh. Hey, thanks, Gary. Thanks, Billy. Yeah, man. Happy to have you here. And again, we're going to be talking about shad fishing in eastern North Carolina. Got a bunch of material to talk about. But as is the tradition here on the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast series, before we get to the main content, I have two questions for you. Let's hear it. All right. First question. Why should we listen to anything you have to say about a shad? You know, so I've been doing this a long time. Uh, been all over the country, North America, South America, Central America, Mexico, all over the place fishing. Been fishing for shad since I was, you know, a little little rat. So I, I've I've done it a time or two, you know. Um, yeah. Well, all right. And then uh, second question, as is tradition, is a non-fishing question, and I've already shared with you that I was actually disappointed. I'm not. I believe I'm not off to a fast start with question number two. The best I came up with was playing off of your charter name, Carolina Backcountry. All right, if you're Carolina Backcountry, what does front country mean? Holy moly. Um, I No clue. <laughs> Couldn't even tell you. Uh, Fishing City Lake, City well, Park, maybe? You know? I Googled it, you know, as I do with my questions. And the general consensus is backcountry, you can't drive to. Front country, you can drive to. Okay. I think that's right. is that is that is that via vehicle or boat? I think that's or? vehicle. I don't think they're talking about boats. Okay. These, okay. these weren't boat specific uh, Google questions. Okay, so my name is correct then. Your name is absolutely <laughs> the, correct. Are, all, all of the areas I fish are inaccessible. We're, by we are not scrapping no. your god name here at the start yeah. of this podcast. We're celebrating it. I was, I was on trial for a second there. Holy moly. 
And uh, so talk to me about when, man. I mean, uh, it's a big question with pretty much every fish species, but perhaps even more so with shad, you know, where there is this window. What do you got for me, man? What's the best time to catch you a know, shad? So beginning early February, late January, people start catching fish. Um, they've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, if, you, if you're willing to get out there and put in the time, I mean, as early as late January. But but typically we start to just think think more about shad in, in March. Um, with mid, third week of March kind of being the peak of everything, um, That that's traditionally the, the time frame. Um, and we even catch fish all the way into the first part of May. Um, some of the some of the old timers they talk about the second run and you know there being multiple runs and stuff. So um, yeah, is that your experience that there's multiple runs? Again, I, I know little as shad fishing, so I'm <laughs> hanging on everything you say. It's hard to say, you know. Um, you get pushes of fish, and some years you get a couple pushes. Some years you get a push. Sometimes it's just a bunch of fish. Sometimes there's no fish. Um, so it's it's hard to say, you know. Um, but I, I definitely think we, we see more Americans, you know, early on and, and later in the season as well. And if it's peaking in mid to like third week of March, would you say the peak lasts typically a couple of weeks? It lasts a yeah, month? Usually, like how big a window I got? Um, well, you know, with, with fishing, there's so many variables. And um, some of the rivers that we fish on, they're, they're controlled by dams. So a lot of it is weather dependent. Um, I've seen it good for a week. I've seen it good for a few weeks. You know, water levels play a play a really big um, role in, in how long the, the fishing is good and how long the fish are here. All right. So as far as where to fish, um, now in our pre-show, we talked about, you know, not narrowing it down <clears throat> to talking about specifics on a specific river. I mean, I, what I should have asked you is, can we name drop? some of the rivers yeah, that you like to fish. Absolutely. So we'll talk about yeah, some of the rivers you like to fish. And then I think we're going to move into a more general on any river you're on. This is the types of areas to target. Is that your vision? Sure. Okay, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I pretty much just fish the, the tar and the Roanoke. Um, though, those are my two. So those are your top two the tar and the Roanoke reason yep. why just because of just grew up on them. Yeah, just started started running the tar when I was 11 years old. Um, so been on it for for a little while now, and it's just home. Can I ask you your favorite place to put in on the tar? There, there, there is no favorite place. Um, you know, okay. it's all it's all great, and it's it's really where I fish is dependent on on water levels. And yeah. Well, let's talk and, about it. Let's go to the river conversation then. Cool. Like, what is it that determines where you fish a particular river? I'm sure there's any number of variables <clears throat> that go into that decision on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. So so one of the biggest things is going to be water levels. Um, so in the spring, um, say we don't get a lot of rain and the tar is really low. You might want to look down at the lower reaches versus, you know, the upper reaches. Those, those fish, um, they're, they're not going to push up uh, when, when the water's super low like that. You, you will get some, but the, the mass is going to be lower in the system. So water, Usually. Le water level affects it. What about high water? What about when we have had a bunch of rain? Yeah, and fish are going to push up. You know, uh, they're, they're going to be where they historically are. All right. So, again, my shad I have been shad fishing, but my shad fishing experience is very limited. 
Um, I'm going to equate it to like when I'm fishing for stripers on the Cape Fear River or some of the other river systems. And to me, everything looks fishy. So when I'm on a, when I'm on a river, everything looks fishy. So now, whether I'm up the river or down the river, what are you looking for on the, you know, what qualities of a river are you looking for to say, I bet there's fish there? So it's had, I mean, a, a big one. A lot of people know this. It's no secret. Tributaries. Tributaries hold a lot of fish and the mouths of those tributaries where you, where you find color changes are always prime spots, you know? Um, and, and it's not just you that has that problem. We all have that problem. We all look around and say, man, it all looks good, you know? Um, but uh, if, if you start thinking about water depths, um, holding areas, current speeds, things like that, you can kind of rule out a bunch of those, those areas. All right. Well, I have no knowledge. So how does water depth, you know, is that what we just talked about, about upriver, downriver? To a degree. I mean, you're not going to find fish sitting on sandbars, obviously, you know, okay. so, so if, you know, the, the right side, the channels on the right side of the river and say the average depth is six foot versus the left side that has a big sandbar on it, that's a foot deep, you know, you're obviously not going to fish over there. Um, and is six, I mean, again, you, I'm going to, I'm going to apologize one more time and then I'm not going to apologize about how little I know about no, trout fishing. No, so six fishing is, is six foot like a, a good mark? Is that a good standard or? Well, depth, depth is so relative in, in some of these rivers um, because we have such a fluctuation that there's very little time where the tar and, and the Roanoke for that matter are, are static, you know, just one height, they don't move. They're always moving. They're always fluctuating and certain areas fish better at certain heights and vice versa. Um, you know, where you might have a, a good resting area at, you know, 10 foot, when it drops down to five foot, that spot may not even be existing. Um, well, I'll tell you what, here's what, here's how I'm going to phrase the, the next chapter of this question. A lot of the people that watch the podcast, or a lot of people in general, maybe don't watch the podcast, we get a limited amount of time out on the water. You know, we get little windows, whether it's a weekend, weekday, afternoon, morning, whatever it is. So if you were trying to help me out and I said, hey, man, I'm going to put in at the Tar River or I'm going to put in the Roanoke and I want to go shad fishing. You're going to tell me, here's the conditions that you should. Here's some pretty standard conditions you should look for. And there's where you might want to invest your first anchor and cast or whatever. Yeah. What would that be? So. So a good place to start is tributaries. Um, tributaries are the number one place to start. Um, so, so finding a, a, a good creek on the Tar or the Roanoke and setting up at the mouth of it, the mouth isn't available, um, maybe on that side downstream of it, you know, the, the same side as the tributary um, or the, the first, you know, outside bend downstream of that tributary, which is gonna be a channel side more than likely, uh, outside bends are, are typically channel channel bends all right so now man walk me through you you've got i've got a spot and i i follow that you know the tributaries and the mouth or down i like those details you know you know down river or the first bend i guess that's going to sort of pinch the fish um we're anchored up and then what then what happens next on your boat once you get anchored up so there, there's a couple different methods you can you can employ here um, a lot of people like to put rods out the back um i've seen guys with four to a dozen rods out the back. 
Um, and, and that can be a really fun way to fish, especially when there's a lot of fish moving through. Um, you're just kind of setting up, you're in a, in a pinch spot and all those fish are running right into you. Um, you know, so, so that can be a really fun way to, to fish and, and also casting, you know, if you can get that top spot and you're, you're positioned at the mouth of that tributary, casting across where the color change occurs or where that, that tributary and the main river kind of meet each other, that scene there, um, it, it is a really good resting area. Usually there's a point there. Um, usually there's a, an area of, of still water, slack water on that scene. Um, and it's a good holding area for fish. That, that's prime spot. That is the spot. If you can get in that spot, usually you're going to get fish if they're there. All right. So if I'm if I'm going to talk about the first one where we're just putting lines out the back, I don't mean just put lines, but we're putting lines out the back yep. and we're putting, you know, anywhere from four on up. So what is the strategy there? I mean, I guess it's like a spread off a boat when you're going offshore. You're doing some different offerings. You're staggering them in different locations. So yeah, that- sort of. Um, so... Again, there, there, there's a lot of variables in fishing. Um, but yeah, so I'll stagger weights more so than, than lures. I mean, we all kind of use the same thing, you know, uh, spoons and, and grubs or darts, you know, jigs or darts. Um, but what I will do is, is vary weights. Um, so I might run an eighth, uh, three sixteenths. Uh, I might run a 32nd ounce. I might run, you know, a small spoon or a bigger spoon on one and just really try and pattern these fish, figure out what part of the water column these fish are, are kind of engaged in and yeah, what colors they're keyed in on. So the if I'm putting rods out the back and I'm putting different weights on and the current of the river is just going to hold them up or down depending on the weight so that, I, you know, you're waiting just to see if one starts producing more and then you might switch some over to target more of the sweet spot? Exactly, yep. Yeah. Is, are you also varying how far back from the boat you're casting these lines? Or is so, that- sometimes, yeah, sometimes, sure. Yeah, it, depending on how far back you, you set them, um, it, it can play a role in, you know, how deep they run. But oftentimes, though, you're going to need a significant amount of line for that to, to really have any effect. So it, it doesn't matter a whole lot. If you just, you know, put it within casting distance behind the boat, distance doesn't matter a, a whole lot. Okay. Um, obviously, you don't want it just behind the boat. Um, you want to you want to cast it out. But all right, I am. So now we're going to move to like we're anchoring up and we're casting. I'm a little bit more intrigued by that. So yeah, now, give me give me the specifics there. I'm guessing you do more of that than r- lines off the back. I'm guessing you do that. <coughs> Excuse me. So yeah. Walk me through that. Yeah. So. Like, like I was saying, I, I try and get one of those good spots, you know, um, the mouth of a tributary or even in eddies. Eddies um, hold a lot of fish. Any any good size eddy is going to have resting fish in it um, during the, uh, particularly during the peak of the run. Um, and the seam, which is where that eddy meets uh, the moving water, that that kind of turbid area is a, is a really good spot to find fish. Um, so I, I like to post up there and I'll have guys, you know, cast over into the soft water and, and slowly retrieve them back to the boat. Um, but what I've gotten into a lot over the past couple of years is jigging. Um, I love to jig, Chad. I know people think that sounds crazy because not very many people talk about, talk about that. Um, but when you feel an American Chad thump a jig, it is, it is something, even the hickories, I mean, they, they thump it. Um, a lot like, and you're fishing just like stripers or anything else. You're just, you know, using a lot lighter jigs, usually um, an eighth or 32nd. 
And I'm just dropping it down beside the boat. I'm just dropping it. No, vertically. no, you're ca casting it and, and slowly retrieving it back to the boat, just hopping it. Um, sometimes we even just kind of do like a swim jig technique, not really bouncing it off the bottom, um, but just kind of swim jigging it back to the boat. So if I am at a tributary, I am guess dragging it through the color change. I want to hit both sides of the color change to see where I might find activity. Yeah, so typically you're going to sit out in the main river. Um, our local tributaries run clearer than the main river. Normally, not always the case, but usually the case. So, so typically you're casting into the clear water and bringing it back out into the main river. And I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't follow. So the difference by your definition between casting and jigging is... Yeah, so, so casting is usually done with a tandem rig on a slow, steady retrieve. Um, typically, you're, you're you know, retrieving it back to the boat in a, in a steady fashion. Um, versus jigging, um, it, it's just like, you know, casting and jigging for stripers or bass. You know, you're, you're hopping it through and letting it fall, and you're usually getting those bites as that bait is falling. It's more of a reactionary. Well, man, I know you have some props there. Show me some of the stuff you like to tie on the end of the line. Um, so these are, are something that, that I got into over the past couple of years. Um, and it was kind of a play on some really tiny darts. Um, these old guys were using these local guys and I like to focus on the Americans. Um, I, I love the hickories too. I love all fish, but there's just something about those big American shad that just, they get me. And for some crazy reason they they like the small stuff sometimes um so so i came up with some of these and these are tied on 30 second ounce jig heads um but these are really small jigs um chartreuse and black is a really good color chartreuse chartreuse and white um these are actually based off of some small flies these are these would be woolly boogers but just tied on uh 30 second ounce jig heads and they're they're pretty tiny. I mean, if you you know, what makes your difference between chartreuse and white and chartreuse and black? I don't. Know. I mean, it it's all it. Who knows? You know, sometimes they're just weird. Sometimes it's um you know lower light conditions. Black can be a little better. Um, yeah, Chart, chartreuse. We all know that's a proven color. So, and so those. Those darts you just showed me, that would be part of your tandem rig, and it would be a tandem rig that you would also be jigging, or when you're jigging, it's one on the end? Yeah, so so a lot of the times, these smaller jigs, so these 30-second, these 64-ounce jigs, um, if I'm going to fish these, I'll put them in place of um, a spoon on a, on a tandem rig. Um, a lot of these are, are really light and they're, they're pretty difficult to cast. Um, so if you're, you're casting, retrieving them, plus in the current, it, it's really hard to maintain contact. Uh, it, it requires a lot of skill to maintain contact with the, with a 64th ounce jig in current. It's pretty difficult. Um, especially if there's any, any sort of wind, but yeah, I'll run these in place of a spoon typically on a tandem rig. And the typical placement of a spoon would be that second line. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. And it's all about a slow on the, not jigging, but the other is just a slow, steady retrieve, no imparting any action. Very rarely, very rarely. I'll, you know, if I get a bump, maybe I'll, I'll you know, try a pause um, 
or maybe a speed up and then a slow down. Um, but, but usually it's just a slow, steady retrieve. And even if I get thumped, usually I just maintain that retrieve until I, I really feel that line come tight. Um, using more of a, a real set than a rod set. And you, and explain that to me. What do you mean by a real set than um, a rod set? So in, when, when you're reeling that through, you're doing that slow, steady retrieve, instead of jerking and, and moving that bait out of the strike zone, you're just going to, you know, just do a quick rotation of the handle and, and try and get that, that tight on that fish and get that rod to load into it. Um, then sweeping the rod into it. That way you just stay in the strike zone. Um, we all know shad short strike. They they swipe and thump and stuff. So so if you if you jerk it real hard, a lot of times you're gonna pull it from out in front of that fish. So I did not know that they were notorious for short striking. So if I'm on your oh, yeah. boat, what you're telling me is, as you're reeling it in, you know, and you feel that bump, but it doesn't go tight. Just keep doing what you're doing. Don't do anything drastic. Yeah, yeah. Just keep it moving. Keep it going. Keep working it. <laughs> And if I'm brand new to shad fishing, I'm on your boat. Um, what advice do you give someone after you have a hookup? Is there anything you do? Is there any mistakes that people make or anything advice you give them just to help ensure the fish makes it to the boat? No, not typically. It's a, it's a pretty straightforward fight. You know, um, a lot of times uh, as with big Americans, if you're on anchor, um, one thing I like to do is keep the rod tip nice and low, almost in the water. Um, until you get it right up next to the boat and then lift. It, it seems like when they come up on top and they start thrashing a lot, that's when you'll tear them out and you'll lose fish. Man, uh, I mean, I think we've got everything. What uh, what have I, I mean, my job is to ask questions. What have I not asked? What, what else is out there that you thought might be of interest, but I didn't set you up to share with the audience? Mm, I... I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I think we did a, a pretty okay job there, you know? Um, yeah. And then I think in your notes, you had something about the history of shad fishing. Yeah. I was, you know, I was intrigued at that. What do you got for me? You know, it's just one of those things. It's um, growing up, it was just always the old guys down at the river in the springtime, you know? Um, it, it's been a really, really big part of my life for as long as I can remember. You know, uh, that, that was like the first sign of life every year at the river, you know, where, where the old guys down there casting for shad. Um, the local shoe store, Robertson Dupree here in Tarboro, they have a, um, a tournament for whoever can catch the first shad of the year. So, um, you know, that, that's always a big thing. It used to, we don't have a newspaper anymore, but it used to be in the newspaper and, and all that stuff, you know. So, so it, it's, a, it's a big buzz in town and has been for, for a long time. So, so that's one really cool thing. And um, I, I got out on the West Coast, been on the West Coast for a long time. Um, and one really cool correlation between, you know, fish on the West Coast and, and Chad here on the East Coast is a lot of, we, we kind of live on this on this line. So a lot of the Chad North of us, they, they'll reproduce multiple times in their lifetime, where South of us, they, they only do it once. And in North Carolina, it's kind of so-so. Um, we, we get a mix of fish that will, you know, return to the ocean after spawning, but we get a lot of fish that, that die after spawning, um, which kind of, you know, it plays into that whole Pacific salmon kind of life cycle. Um, so, so I always thought that that was, you know, really interesting, really cool. Um, and they are crazy. I don't know if you've ever seen um, an American shad floating down the river. 
about to die on its last leg, but their bodies will literally be, I mean, just, just tiny and exhausted and their heads are just huge. You know, it just looks, looks so crazy. It doesn't even look like the same fish almost, you know? Well, man, um, I tell you what, I know that I'm guessing that Captain Josh Abrams, Carolina backcountry guide service is more than shad fishing. So here at the end of your episode, how about a quick walk through the calendar for what, you know, Carolina backcountry offers? Cool. Yeah. So in the springtime, uh, we get started with the shad fishing. Um, we run that all the way through to April. Then we switch gears um, and fish the Roanoke. We're on the Roanoke, Upper Roanoke, and Weldon um, fishing stripers. I, I run a little different program than most people, um, so so it's it's pretty cool, pretty cool deal. We fish up in the rocks, all artificial, no bait, nothing like that. Um, and then usually switch gears um, first of June, head up to Alaska, run that whole deal through to October, and then do a little fall bassing in North Carolina, um, take a couple months off to kind of relax, get my head right, and then repeat. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, Josh, it's been a pleasure talking to you about shad fishing. Again, I don't have an extensive background, but I have a couple of fond memories on the water. And this dialogue will speed me up to, you know, to add to that resume. I'm, I'm guaranteed to get back on the river and catch some shad this year. Nice. Good. Hopefully see you out there. It'd be great, man. I'm certainly, yeah. I will certainly call on you before I go to see what you yeah. might be willing to share, man. Yeah, I'll pray in the boat. Yeah. Well, Josh, thanks again. And, Absolutely. Uh, we appreciate you. Cool. Take care. Thanks, man. Awesome, Gary. Shad fishing. Shad fishing. I'm good at it. You saw the picture. I got proof. You're verified. You're bona fide. <laughs> Where's my blue check You're mark? You're a bona fide shad fisherman. <laughs> Where's my blue check mark on that shad fishing picture, huh? I'm a pro. Man, you know what I took away from the show was if you're not first, you're last, Ricky Bobby. Because <laughs> he said you got to be like the first boat up in the channel or whatever, like right there at the mouth. At the, at the good spot. At the good at the spot. tributary. Yeah. Yeah, you get at the trip. So that's the word I was looking for. I almost said cemetery. I'm like, that is because he's talking you gotta about, be first to the cemetery. He was talking about this dead fish at the end. <laughs> Starting to make me think about a cemetery. I'm like that poor small bodied, big headed dead fish. That's what I was thinking. Well, I can I'll tell you what my <laughs> I'm takeaway is, man, you are on your game. I didn't even have to ask you for your best takeaway. I know. And you're on it. I was on it. I just wanted to beat you, Gary. And this was a fast episode. I wanted to get it done. All right. I'll move on to the next one. All right. Super awesome. Thanks for a great episode. Thanks for being such a good questioner, Gary. Questioning these fishermen. It's fun, man. It's fun to talk fishing. It's fun to hear about fishing. And I am. I am now putting shad fishing on my list. Tomorrow in the office, I'm going to send out some texts. <laughs> See who can take you. Hey, who wants to take me <laughs> shad fishing? <laughs> yeah. I think I got a better chance of getting a shad trip than you have of getting a boat. <laughs> you know what? I was about to say that. I was like, you know what? I should probably just start asking for free fishing trips rather than boats. That's more realistic. All right, man. I'm going to get it done. Well, Gary, anything else? That's it, Billy. Thank you. Thank you, Marine Warehouse, once again, for sponsoring this episode. You guys, be sure to go check them out. Uh, they have a location here in Wilmington, North Carolina. And also, oh, I want to say St. John, South Carolina. That's not right. Saint jo it's not St. John. Lil's going to kill me. I love you, Lil. Love you, Marine Warehouse. We'll see you next episode. Next time. Fisherman's